VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Sports, culture, takes. Take Line has it all. Take Line is a weekly podcast hosted by Emmy winner Jason Concepcion and former WNBA champ Renee Montgomery. That's a fast-paced exploration of the NBA and the world of sports and culture. Each week, Jason and Renee talk about games, players, controversies, and issues both on and off the court. Follow now to hear Take Line every Tuesday, wherever you get your pod. And it's throwing. Slam. This bugs for you, Mizzou. They are carving up this LSU defense. They don't get no better than that, man. He's lacked up to Chuck Millabady with the catch, and he's going to jet his way into the end zone. Missouri touchdown. Hand off to Roundtree running left. It's 35 to the 40. Left sideline around the end. This is the Mazzotcast. Well, we, uh, we've kind of sort of started without starting the show this week, but uh, let's officially begin it because we actually do have a little bit to talk about. Thanks, for everybody, for joining the Mazzotcast. I'm your host, Brennan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? But this is going up on the main podcast feed this week, so it'll go to the broader audience. And yeah, uh, Just so you guys know, if you get in here and talk on this show, everybody hears you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So every other week, uh, we're putting one on Patreon, and then we're putting one on the main podcast feed. And so, obviously, the main podcast feed has a much broader um, audience. So if you uh, so if don't want anybody feels compelled to scream their PIN number uh, <laughs> on this podcast, try to restrain yourself. Yeah, it will go out. Um, also, I'll remind you, if you are here on the uh, locker room, you can not just speak if you want to speak, but you can um, join the chat, and we'll see that, and we can respond to that as well. So anyway, thanks for joining us, whether you're listening live or whether you are listening to the podcast. This is, uh, I guess, what is it, the 10th of May? We're doing our weekly show now, and there's actually some news, Colin, this week. This is my biggest fear about doing a weekly show, especially a live one now, is that uh, we're entering a gray period. There is no football. There is no basketball. But the Mizzou basketball team made a little bit of news when they added a new transfer in Ronnie DeGray III from the University of Massachusetts. I think this is Conzo Martin's fourth transfer that has come in since I think we've lost six of our players. It's going to be a completely new basketball team. And Colin... I think I'm going to bring something that there isn't a lot of from most people who listen to the Mazzotcast uh, day in and day out the last few years, which is a little positivity. And I think that while it doesn't ever look good when you lose six players, there's 1,500 people. Not. Yeah, no, but there have been 1,500 players who have entered the portal this year. I mean, this has been a complete restructuring of teams for the entirety of college basketball. Yeah, maybe uh, I is mean, like, not alone with this. You know, yeah, this is- I was going to say. Now, our criticism of Conzo as a as a coach last year may have some merit, but giving beating him up about transfers probably does not, at least in this year. Well, he's picked up some good pieces, and you have to remember that one of the criticisms we had of him last year was that this was one of the best teams he'd ever put together as a Mizzou coach, and it was middling at best and went out sheepishly on a first-round loss to Oklahoma. So it wasn't a great team, and that was the best team he put together, and it does look like the parts that are being removed are being replaced for the most part. I think the biggest thing that would be hard to replace is uh, Jeremiah Tillman and his size and experience. But this kid, Ronnie DeGray, the thing I like about him is he is not just drawn out of a hat, Colin. Mizzou recruited him early. He ended up going to University of Massachusetts, which a bunch of guys did from his class because it turns out that like his prep school – that coached him there ended up getting an assistantship coaching job at UMass, and he dragged a bunch of these prep school kids he had with him along to UMass. Well, guess what? That guy's not there anymore, and so everybody that he got 
that came with him is looking for a way out. And so this is a guy Conzo's seen before. This is a guy that uh, would be here if he hadn't accepted the UMass. I just hope he's long and athletic because, like, one of the things complaints I had about this team, and it is completely visual and I could be way off, but they all looked dumpy. Like, nobody looked like a long, lean athlete except for, like, Tillman and, like, Smith. Mitchell Smith. And and I'm just like, I was just like, these guys don't look, like, in super good shape athletically. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I go, I'm ready to see some long, lean, athletic players instead of, uh, you know, my body type, only a little bit taller. You know what I mean? Like, I, you don't well, want me out there. <laughs> yeah, this guy's six seven. He's a he's a forward, but he can play the perimeter a little bit too. So he seems like a versatile player. And the thing is, it's like. You know, I just got to get used to some changes in basketball, too. And the reality is that the center position doesn't really exist in college basketball or in the NBA anymore. You know, there's not a guy that just posts up and looks backwards and waiting for the, you know, Never the feed. The yeah, that, that's just not how basketball is played now. And so a guy like Gray, I think, is a good addition because he is a modern basketball player and that he can play down in the post, but he can step outside. And he shot like 37% last year from the three-point stripe. He didn't shoot many shots, but he was productive when he did shoot it so you know that's the kind of guy who can you know i'd heard said that Conzo's really looking to put together a team that can score 80 can average 80 points a game and because the highest scoring total yeah well i'm looking for an eight inch dick you know what i mean like (laughs) i'll believe it when i see it you know what i mean like Conzo's never been that guy and maybe maybe just because he hasn't recruited the players to do it but like it's always been a ugly defensive slop fest that was lucky to break 70 points well his highest averaging team was this year and they scored i think 73 points a game and that's the best offensive team he's put together i know they told us when Conzo came in that he was a defensive minded coach he was a you know defense was it for him but i don't see why it has to come at the expense of offense i mean you don't have to lead the league in offense every year but why being a good defensive team means that you can't shoot at all on the offensive side i don't think it has to be one or the other yeah well i'm just i'm pessimistic on basketball and all these guys sound great but you know what nobody writes they're bad on their recruiting tapes you know what i mean like that's (laughs) so everybody gets a glowing review you know and uh i just i want to see it well we'll have our chance i mean that's the thing is that uh we're going to have an entirely new looking team there's four new transfers there's a spot for a and one more player but they will likely keep that open i think they have 12 on the roster right now and uh, by keeping that spot open it just keep means that you won't have a if you get too many people graduating at the one time and then it really screws you down the road you know so i think they're trying to level it out because 12 is a full squad so anyway the basketball team has got its uh, its forward to replace, or at least to do a little piece of replacing Jeremiah Tillman. I mean, I don't know if that kid fits that. I mean, that's a, that's a. I mean, if he's six seven, basically a swing player. I mean, that's not Tillman, you know. No, but I don't think there any one one position player is going to do the job of replacing Jeremiah Tillman. I think they're just going to have to, you know, play several strong forwards. And that's what I, I mean. I, the reason I guess I'm positive is that the people that they're replacing, I think, have they look like better players. At least. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Based on paper and with a year of college to tell us mm-hmm. something. I mean, UMass is not the same as SEC, but it's not like they don't play good basketball. He was, you know, averaging 8.7 points a game as a freshman. He's got some skill. Yeah, yeah. So, Moving on to football, the big news, I guess, this week was that Mizzou – this tells you just how little football news there is. Mizzou added some games to its future schedules. They're going to end up playing Army and then BYU. These are makeup games. But San Diego State and Louisiana are raging Cajuns. They're scheduling these seasons out to 2029, and it just makes me wonder – 
following one year of COVID where they completely dumped the schedule out on the board and scrambled to pieces and picked and redid it on the fly. Why they need to schedule these games out so far? You know, why do they need to make these contracts for like a decade into the future? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just I'll plead ignorance on it. I don't That's, know. It's how it's going. how we end up getting. Um, I mean, I, just, I, I assume the scheduling necessitates it, but it's it's how we end up playing Wyoming, you know, like five years after that Steckle guy left. Incorrect. Yeah, Christensen. And <laughs> I know that's it doesn't make any sense. I mean, that a lot of these teams are like we're going to end up playing Memphis, but you know who doesn't coach here anymore? Barry Odom. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess it's just part of it. But anyway, the non-con schedule we got going, not for this year, but coming up in 2022 is finalized now. We're going. The crazy thing is we're playing a lot of these teams on the road. We're playing at Middle Tennessee, and then we're playing on the road at Kansas State, which makes a little bit more sense. They're going to be our Power 5 rival that year. Uh, then we're playing Abilene Christian here and New Mexico State here. Um, I think the reason you're seeing a lot more – road games on these non-con schedule is that the they say that the teams are charging a lot more money to have you come play them these days and that sometimes they won't even do it unless you agree to a home and home and um it puts teams yeah. like zoo no i can see that they'd be body. like hey if we're gonna come down to your place and let you kick the hell out of us that ain't gonna be free and we gotta fill, we gotta schedule to fill too and we need money and so if, if you want uh, Wyoming to show up, get his shit kicked in, you know, prepare to write a check and show up in Wyoming once. Yeah. And I can't remember if it's 2023. One of these schedule or one of these seasons, because of the way these line up, uh, we're going to end up having six home games that year instead of seven, uh, which we haven't done in, since the days where we would play neutral site games against Illinois and Kansas at uh, – Arrowhead and then the uh, Edward Jones Dome. It's taken a home game away from us. It's a, a, you know for a long time, Mizzou had a weird schedule because they a they scheduled these things so far out and b we changed conferences. You know we were in the SEC instead of the Big Twelve, so a lot of stuff had to change on our schedule, and it took years for it to normalize. And now that uh, now that we're kind of normalizing, these teams are thinking they're big deals and wanting money from us. So then it's screwing up the schedule. Anyway, I don't know. Middle Tennessee, I mean, they've had their run. Kansas State, if you're going to play a big 12 school, it would be an interesting one because Kansas is a pushover. I mean, everybody wants to see Kansas. And they are on the docket for 2025. But Kansas State's a better program. And then who knows? I don't know anything about Abilene Christian or New Mexico State other than those are the teams that seem to beat Mizzou every four or five years. Well, I mean, regardless of what they are right now, maybe they have the best team they've had in you know a decade or whatever. But it doesn't matter if you're a Mizzou and you're in the SEC, you beat Abilene Christian. You know what I mean? And if you're not going to beat Abilene Christian, then it's not going to be a great season. Well, I felt that way about Indiana. No, and, and that wasn't a great season. I mean, <laughs> well, we won the SEC, the East, East. but it wasn't a it wasn't a great. I mean, well, I mean, I'll take it again any day of the week, but. I mean, at least Indiana's a Division One, Power Five, you know, basketball yeah, school. I get your point, <laughs> but it, but it doesn't matter whether we should or shouldn't beat them. A lot of times we, well, I don't want to say a lot of times, but enough times that makes it painful. We well those games. The uh, the Mizzou tradition of shitting the bed against a team they should easily beat needs to stop. You know, if Chris Drink is going to be. Uh, going to have some longevity here, you know, and, and <laughs> we need to not lose the the Wyoming game and the Memphis game and the Indiana game. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah. we, can, we Mizzou fans can swallow a lot of losing to Georgia, <laughs> but they can't swallow much losing to Missouri State. Yeah, well, this reminds me, you talk about shitting the bed and doing sort of Mizzou things against these kind of opponents. It does remind me that um, we are playing at Colorado, I believe, the year that will mark the 40th anniversary of the fifth down game. Uh, oh, we should go to that, Brennan. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's 2031, so if you, you're going to have to clear your schedule for 10 years from now. <laughs> That's um, good, though. It gives us plenty of time to get our wives on board with the idea. Yeah. <laughs> it should only true. take 10 years, you know? Oh, my God. Can you imagine a Mazadcast caravan for celebrating the fifth down game and just like – Yeah, we'll get one of those buses from um, like Mo X or something and like everybody just yeah. – <laughs> Get on board. 
everybody, hey, we should get everybody one of the like down markers that they have on the sidelines, just like carry them around the stadium, you know, <laughs> just have fit down. You could make a whole show of it. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, we got 10 years to prepare better ideas, too. Yeah, exactly. 10 years to forget <laughs> we ever said it. <laughs> I hope somebody reminds us. Yeah. Connor may be alive by then. We'll <laughs> yeah, Connor will just be uh, getting out of college by that time, so it should be all good. He'll remind <laughs> us. Uh, moving on from football, I was going to switch gears a little bit to baseball because uh, we mentioned earlier that the Royals were actually in first place for a while, and I think they've yeah, they aren't anymore. Over. Yeah, they've fallen back. Uh, but the Cardinals have been on a real run, and bigger Cardinals news to me was the sort of, I don't know what you call, anticlimactic dismissal of Albert Pujols from Anaheim. And, you know, if you're a Cardinals fan of a certain era, I mean, obviously Stan Musial was like the obvious standout for the Cardinals, the first one maybe, but uh, Ozzie Smith and even now I think Yadier Molina because he's been here so long but if you're of a certain age a certain generation Albert Pujols for about 10 years was about as good a baseball player as you could possibly have ever wanted and yeah, it's like being a Chiefs fan now with Mahomes like you've got it's 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 a different cool thing to have the best player at the current sport be your on your team and for Pujols gave us that for a stretch of years yeah, well, arguably the best guy in the league was our player. What's so strange about it was what kind of happened to him after he left Anaheim. Because I feel like if you were a Cardinals fan, whenever he signed that big contract with the Angels, you knew that it wasn't the right move from a financial standpoint and from the team standpoint to sign Albert Pujols for a long-term deal with the kind of money mm-hmm. they were talking. But there's always a little part of you that kind of wanted him to because he was such a good player and he had yep. done so much for the team and uh, won two World Series with them. And anyway, he just he never played like he did at St. Louis. Well, I think what people a- discount is one, I mean, it's American League pitching, which, you know, Traditionally, it's a little stronger, they, they say. I don't fucking know. I'm no sabermetric guy. But not only that, he was probably 44. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you believe the rumors about Albert Pujols, I mean, like, he's one of those guys who birth certificate set, just had a pick, an emoji of a person shrugging. Yeah. And so they just chose an age for him. And, uh, you know, so nobody knows how old the guy is. And so that is complete conspiratorial conspiracy theory crap. But it's uh, it's one of those, you know, you look at Albert Pujols, you go, oh, maybe. Yeah. You well, know, I didn't look like that at 28. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you never looked like Albert Pujols at any stage of your development. <laughs> no, no, that's true. But, it, well, the thing that was shocking to me was the uh, how fast the fall off was, you know, because even if he was a few years older than, than he claims, he didn't he precipitously dropped off and by the time they got rid of him you know the angels are paying out so much money and i think this was indicative of why these teams have gone away from these long-term huge deals but anyway he was just not the same he's not the same guy anymore and to the degree that the cardinals you know there were some people i think who wanted the cardinals to pick him up out of a sense of nostalgia but he, they have a first baseman, and they don't have a DH in the National League, so yeah. there's no spot for Albert Pujols on that team. It would be cool, though. I mean, I mean, oh, I, it would be. It was my my first thought was like, who who plays first? Wait, who plays third? Oh, fuck, it's Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, well, I was angry when I thought it wasn't. I was like, oh, hopefully, some jag that we can just like <laughs> play yeah. Albert Pujols instead. Yeah, no, that's not going to happen. And, but and like I said, you can't DH him. So what do you do? And and I know that Albert Pujols had basically said when he was getting to this point that he would like to find some place that he can play every day. But I don't know that there is a place that's going to take him as an everyday player at all. I mean, and I don't know if he's going to get taken at all. This may be yeah. the end of Albert Pujols. You know, what a shitty way to go out. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Angels he, what was he, he was bat like one thirty three and. Um, I know, but, you but know, the Angels ha- were on the hook for a salary anyway. Why oh, I know. I'm just saying, like, he's... To retire and make a big deal out of it. You know, Derek Jeter got the whole, like, you know, every stadium he went to, he got a standing ovation. I mean, we're throwing yeah. flowers out. The farewell him. tour. Yeah. Pools did not get that. No. Well, you know, and you, you say he had a precipitous fall off, and he did. But if you look at Pools' stats, I'm like, he was... Albert Pujols fell off to a middling baseball player, but still very much a productive baseball player. Sure. You know, even even with a even with the Angels, he had a wins of, above replacement number that was you know respectable. Mm-hmm. Um, he just wasn't Albert Pujols of the St. Louis Cardinals, two time World Series champion, 
blasting home runs against the Houston Astros or, you know what I mean? Just or owning the game, hitting fucking bombs and hitting and batting 330 while you're doing it. You know what I mean? And stealing yeah, bases yeah. despite being slow. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he was hitting just, triples. Yeah. Hitting triples. Doing fucking shit. You know, him and Yadier Molina for a time were just the funnest fucking thing on, on the planet to watch. And uh, it's, I don't know, you, obviously yeah, you can hear the nostalgia in my voice for it. It, I would, I really would love to see Albert Pujols. That was the last time I can remember truly caring about the Cardinals, honestly. You know what I mean? Like after the Pujols left, we, the, the shit got lean, and I don't know. I just, I have my fandom for baseball in general has just waned over the years. And but boy, I could really enjoy seeing some Pujols out there. Yeah, that home run he hit off Brad Lidge against Houston that you mentioned. That pitch, I swear, I could see Brad Lidge's soul leave his body <laughs> when he hit that shot. Nobody needed you their know, soul he, to leave more. He, yeah, his knee. I hated Brad Lidge could, just because I walked him close the door on us a hundred times. Not that night, though, boy. He nope. Uh, he and he, you know what? His career wasn't ever really the same after that. He fell apart because yeah. his soul had left his body. Yeah. Yep, that's right. Albert Pujols <laughs> murdered him on television. <laughs> I mean, most right. of us, you know what? Most of our most of us don't have our most humiliating moment in our lives televised, <laughs> and then replayed over and over again on ESPN. <laughs> you know, so what? Bradley just broken man after that. Colin, I feel like you're in kind of that select company. I mean, one of your most embarrassing moments was failing miserably on the show Forged in Fire. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I, I I know that pain. Yeah, and you've seen reruns of you losing on Forged yeah, in Fire. Yeah, I've literally flipped the channels and seen my own face. <laughs> it's, a, it's a surreal. It's a surreal thing. Like, is yeah. that was that me? Yeah. Oh shit! That was the History Channel. <laughs> Whoever that guy that looks exactly like me is, he's doing a really bad job. <laughs> he's a terrible blacksmith. <laughs> it would be awesome if Pujols would uh, get picked up. At, like, I don't know what you do. League minimum? Can you, wouldn't you think he'd co- go in at league minimum? I don't that? know. I, I feel like Albert's probably got a, a a painful amount of pride earned, but I don't know if he'd take league minimum just to show back up in St. Louis. I don't know either. But I mean, you know, what, the other option is. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, it, it does beat nothing. Grant, <laughs> I'll give you that. Well, uh, speaking of nothing in baseball, Mizzou baseball continues to spiral down the toilet. Um, Missouri was looking at, so I think they took 12 teams to go into the 14-man conference to, you know, tournament. So two teams get left out in baseball and don't even get to go to their conference tournament. Mizzou is currently in last place after losing their ninth straight game um, Sunday against Tennessee. They were swept by the Vols, who are number five in the country, and insult to injury. Their uh, coach, Tony Patello, was a Mizzou player, and he could have been coach here. Um, he he was on the assistant staff here for a long time, and he's really taken the balls up to the top, you know, like I said, number five in the nation and in a good position going into uh, the postseason. But Mizzou, on the other hand, looks terrible. I've never seen Mizzou look this bad at baseball. I mean, it's it's embarrassing, but at the same time, like, I'm just kind of like – what does anybody expect? We got to invest in this program at some point. You know what I mean? Like, you look around this league and you see the qual- caliber of the stadiums and the fan support. And we've talked about it before. Why can't Mizzou be that way? Obviously, Missouri is a big baseball state. We've got two major league teams, and people are crazy about both of them. People love baseball. People play baseball. And Colin, the town we grew up in had five baseball fields and only had like six hundred people. <laughs> That's you know true. I mean? Yeah, and. It, it, you know, I don't understand why Mizzou can't garner an audience, and they're not going to if they keep putting out teams that are like this. And I don't know. Yeah, I say you answer your own question when you talk about how bad they were. But this is as bad as it's ever been, and because fans <laughs> haven't been there before that. Yeah, you know? that's true. But uh, I don't know. It's God. I've said it before. Missouri's the show me state because they are. We're it's just a we're a bunch of tribal, weird, flat headed cynics. And uh, <laughs> like you got to be good for a long time before we're like, all right, we'll give you a fucking t- a piece of our time. Like I, I, uh, I we, no state is better named in, than the show me state. Like a show me it for a long, 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 long time, and maybe I'll give you some credit eventually. Yeah, well, and that is true. I mean, that uh, moniker of the show me state. I don't wear it as a badge of honor. I don't even know how it got started or why, but it it is. There is some truth to it. Like we're never the first people to try anything. 
You know, <laughs> no. what I mean? we are a skeptical people. <laughs> We're never going to be like, well, w- let's give it a shot. Let's give this new thing a shot. What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> no, no, like, not us. let's let 38 states do it and then decide maybe we'll give it a shot. After that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shot- we weren't the first to legalize marijuana. Shocking. <laughs> anyway, I don't know what to, I don't know what to think about the baseball team because I don't follow I it closely enough. Them, I wish you quit bringing them up. Yeah. But I, mean, <laughs> I, I don't follow them closely enough to really have a strong opinion about Beezer, but I know how I feel about seasons like this. You know what I mean? I do like to go to those baseball games and there was a time when I really wanted to, like I knew who they were playing and I couldn't wait to see them because it was going to be a good series. You know, Max Scherzer was pitching. Those days are gone and sure it would be nice to have that back. But I don't know. I feel like it's going to take more than just a good coach. They're going to have to do some investing in facilities to get baseball on par, even close with some of these SEC brethren. And you can't just say there's teams like Alabama out there like there is in football. How do you build it up? Though? I mean, like, you, you, they, we certainly don't need new, more seats. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what we need. How do we need to upgrade the baseball? Well, I mean, for Christ's sake, for a long time that. You know, it's AstroTurf on the infield and grass in the outfield. And it's like, God damn, can't you afford to – put turf all the way you know what i mean like the shirt guess what you wouldn't have half a football field with grass and half no a you're right that's true but we seem like it's okay in baseball i don't know it just that seems not great <laughs> yep <laughs> so anyway uh that's kind of depressing you know softball team and the other team i don't follow closely they're on the complete opposite side of the spectrum not only are they looking good but there's a lot of talk that missouri probably will host a regional for the college softball postseason because a the stadium is brand new and looks really good and b we're pretty good and c we're in the sec but we're a central location so people can travel pretty easily no matter where they're from to get to us so anyway it would be nice if we actually hosted a a postseason game and something so i'll take it in softball yeah that's i mean as a mizzou fan just in general it's nice to have anything to have pride in you know yeah. what I mean? There's plenty of things that we, you know, struggle. <laughs> you know, baseball, for instance, we just talked about. Yeah. You know, like, listen, I'm not spending a lot of time uh, watching Mizzou softball, but I can certainly be happy that they're doing well. Yeah. No, that's how I feel about all these programs. I mean, I'm not going to pretend like – I feel like sometimes people who are covering Mizzou stuff, they feel compelled to pretend like they go to every game and every sport and know everything about it. It's okay not to. You know what I mean? Like – I just, I've never watched wrestling growing up. I don't know anything about wrestling. I don't care about wrestling. I'm not going to pretend like I do. And I'm never going to try to. <laughs> I hope Mizzou wins a national championship in it. <laughs> That's right. I'm, and I'm proud that we're a really good wrestling school. But I don't know anything about it, and I'm not too interested. But <laughs> not I also don't think I'm alone. Keep winning, fellas. I just don't think I'm alone there, you know? No. <laughs> well, it's a specialized sport. That's, I mean... You know, like soccer's the same way. Anything that you don't really give a fuck about. You're like, I wish for the best. I hope we get, we win national championships in all of it every year. But it doesn't matter how many national championships we're going to win in, you know, soccer. I'm not watching. You work hard, you play hard. So treat yourself and stock up for some summer barbecue with Kansas City Steak Company. From classic steak cuts to USDA Prime. Kansas City Steaks has everything you need to fire up the grill. They make it easy. Each order from Kansas City Steaks is flash frozen and delivered directly to your home. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Imagine relaxing in the backyard with family and enjoying a steakhouse quality meal from Kansas City Steaks. Try their butter tender filet mignon, Kansas City strips, juicy steak burgers, all beef jumbo hot dogs, and even complete meal combos. Bring the steakhouse to your house this summer with Kansas City Steaks. Go to KansasCitySteaks.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with the code SD at checkout. That's right, SD like stinky dick. The other thing I wanted to tell you, Colin, this is something that actually happened today, so we can bring it up as a live show. Uh, Sean Culkin, who had made a little news for himself when he was signed with the Kansas City Chiefs and asked that he be paid entirely in Bitcoin earlier this year, um, he was another unceremonious cutting uh, yanked from the Chiefs roster today. So I don't know that we're surprised to see that, but uh, he's now he'll go down as Bitcoin guy, I guess. <laughs> yeah. 
He didn't, I don't I don't know what he did already that got him cut, but uh, that's impressive. Well, he never got past the scout team, I think. Yeah. Was it New England, maybe? I know he played mm-hmm. a few years with the Chargers. Um, but then he, where was he? I, no, I don't think it was New England. He, he, played, he was on a scout team somewhere last year and um, didn't make the roster this year again. I don't know what's going to become of him. It may be the, the end of Sean Culkin's profession. Well, the problem is, is if you stick around for like more than three years, you become a vested veteran and you get a little – I mean, they can give you league minimum, but league minimum is still enough money that they'd rather just they'd rather just throw a rookie at your position. That's going to yeah. cost them next to nothing. So if you don't, if you haven't really differentiated yourself by year four, by season four of the year NFL uh, career, you're probably going to go bye bye. That's why, even though there's plenty of players like um, Aaron Rodgers who played for more than a decade, there's every year there's a shuffling out of third year football players. You know what I mean? Like they've got their third season in and they're gone forever. And there's a whole back of the roster constantly being flushed out like that over and over again. Everybody's career ending in three years, three years, three years. They just get too expensive for their. Yeah, you, just, you, be, you, you become a vested veteran and all of a sudden you, your league minimum is a veteran salary, which is gobs more than a rookie minimum. And so they're just like, why would we make, let you have a fourth year and pay you a bunch more when you're not that good? We can go find a fucking, you know, a kid fresh out of school, pay him half as much. And we can throw his body at uh, at people running. Yeah, you know, we can find a backup backup tight end uh, a whole lot cheaper than the, you know than paying you as a veteran. Yeah, so uh, you know I like Sean Culkin, but uh, you know, say oh, I did too. Things. I mean, but it's like I said, it's if he's not um, if he's not showing out, you know, he, by this point, um, they're probably like, fuck it, we can, you know, he's going to have to be better than any other rookie walking off the street, you know, for yeah. them to want to spend the money. Well, and we've seen a lot of Mizzou players go out like this. And, I mean, I guess a lot of te- players on it from every team that get to the NFL. Yeah, every college, like I said, every three years people are getting flushed. And that's it's just happening over and over and over again. There's a, Every college football fan in the world is, is talking right now about some player that was really good for them three years ago and is, you know, just got cut from an NFL roster and probably never to see an NFL roster again. Well, it's, you know, coming off of this draft where five Mizzou players were drafted, though none of them that highly, it was a big number for Mizzou when you look at the other SEC teams that were drafting. You know, I think Alabama led the charge with nine or ten draftees, but uh, Mizzou at a very respectable level, especially once you get out of the SEC, and I think there were only a handful of teams that had as many as what five. What do we have, five? Yeah, five. Um, and it's, you know, matches the total uh, you know, it's it's pretty that's a pretty good number for Mizzou. And you know, one thing I've wondered about, and I, maybe I brought it up and I don't remember, but like Barry Odom, he drafted the or I mean he recruited these guys, these are his players. They played most of their time in college under Barry Odom. Now, does is this a good thing? Does this is a feather in his cap that he got these guys to the NFL? Or does it say, Hey, Barry Odom had NFL talent and he didn't do shit with it? Which way Man, is I, that I don't know, but I, I Jeffrey Bunch asked, didn't Culkin have Kirk Farmer hair? And I'm just going to say this right now. No. I mean, (laughs) Culkin had long hair, you know what I mean? But he didn't have Kirk Farmer hair. Kirk Farmer's hair is made of spun gold. Jeffrey, I feel like you almost uh, offended Colin. I feel like he's he's almost upset at the notion. This feathered blonde spun gold of Kirk Farmer cannot be rivaled by just some guy with long hair. (laughs) Kurt Farmer's hair waved when he was in a in a room with the air conditioning off. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was still completely waving. still. Wind blew through it. Mm-hmm. And boy, was he terrible at playing quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> but his hair was terrific. Have you ever seen him out and about recently in the community? Oh sure. Oh, sure. Can I, you tell I me him. what's the status update? I mean, some guys he, lose he their hair. He looks like himself at forty-one years old. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but he's a, that's not a good enough information, Colin. A lot of forty-one-year-old men don't have their hair like they. Used oh, to. I mean, it is. He is still toe-headed, and it is still flowing. He hasn't lost. He hasn't lost a follicle, Brennan. Is that right? He yep. it doesn't even have like that peninsula going. No, nope, not at all. It's still, like I said, it is. It's. It's like he stepped out of an episode of Saved by the Bell. He is Zach Morris, right? I mean, got that sweep, still got that sweep going on. You know what I mean? It's Britain. It's still 1996 in Kirk's world. <laughs> At least in life scalp. is good. <laughs> I think you in a mean? scalp. I don't know about anywhere else. So. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's living well, his best life. As we've mentioned probably several times on the show, and including Caleb in this, uh, Colin and I and Caleb, we all have immaculate hairlines and beautiful, thick, luscious manes of of hair. Yeah. But uh, 
there are guys, you know, who, who, you know, I can see those profile pictures. I know who I'm talking to, <laughs> you know, don't have that going on. And I didn't know if Kirk Farmer was in that world, but I'll tell you what, Colin, we're talking about the peninsula, you know, the, when you're, you start losing your hair on the side, you know, mm-hmm. it just starts creeping back. Connor's not, does not know what you're talking about. No, no, not yet. He will. <laughs> anyway, um, the worst way to go bald. And uh, maybe some of these guys listening know this all too well. <laughs> They've got the hairline where it doesn't, you don't, it doesn't creep back. It just starts to get like disappear all over. And you've got that weird serial killer balding pattern, you know, where there's like, you still have hair superficially. It looks like the hair is there, but you can see all the way through it. And, uh, you know, those are the guys who have people in their basement chained up. I don't know about that. I, I, don't, I don't know why you're trying to I piss off a handful of people that want to show, listen to this show, Brennan. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, anyway, I will say Sean Culkin had probably the best hair in a decade. Oh, I don't know if I'd go that far. I have to think about it. But uh, yeah, well, anybody else know. got any other choices? Because how are you going to match up to Sean Culkin as far as hair? What was that crazy offensive lineman we had? He had long hair too. Max uh, or oh yeah, Max, um, sure. No, not sure, sure. Um, <laughs> That's the wrong wrong sport. Copeland, Max Copeland. Yeah, there you go. He had some, I think I'm right though. He's but that's again, long hair is not good hair necessarily. It's just long. Sean's was Sean Culkins was good. I mean, he used conditioner, no question. Yeah, but like I said, we're we're not gonna we're not gonna get into a firmer uh Culkin debate when it comes to hair. We've been talking about it too long already. <laughs> as far as Colin's concerned, there is no debate. Uh, Kirk Farmer by mile on that one. But uh anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I'm reading I comments wanna, now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Catch me up because I haven't had a chance to to see anything. Nothing. I just uh, they want uh, you guys want to hear more about the Forge and Fire experience. Oh yeah, well, Colin, go go on. It's, it's, Have we ever uh, really talked about that? Maybe I don't remember. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think we mentioned it. Uh, maybe I don't know. Uh, yeah, Colin was on Forge and Fire. Yeah, I think it's oh, Connor was it's it's a uh, season seven episode thirty three. It's called Titanium Smackdown. Oh, I remember this because I asked you about it and I asked you like, I thought I was going to have an interview with you about your experience, but I asked you one question and you talked for like 45 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's why I'm trying to think about how I want to go about this. So I just, I uh, had took up blacksmithing as a hobby because I watched Forge and Fire and I was just, I'm a, if you guys listen to Patreon, you know, you can, uh, some of the things that we talk about in there to have nothing to do with sports and I have. Or if you listen to the show long enough, you'll know I'll give reviews about like Star Wars and shit like that. So I'm a straight up nerd about certain stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, like swords and shit like that because, you know, the chicks dig it. Anyways, I, uh, I started watching that show Forge and Fire. And I was like, man, this is awesome. I, I, this, I so want to do this. And I could do this. And, but I really didn't give it much thought because who's got a fucking, you know, forge and all that shit you need to do it. Well, Brendan and I live or grew up in a, in a small town in mid Missouri and our grandfather ran Caterpillar and, or bulldozer. And so he had his own welding shop where he worked on his equipment stuff. And so I built a house on property that belonged to our family. That's just down the road from this little shop where my grandpa worked on this crap. And so one day I walked in there and I saw that there was already an anvil and a, you know, a bandsaw and a, dr- a drill press and all these tools that my grandpa had. And so I was like, man, really all I'm missing is the grinder and the forge. Uh, I bought the grinder and my wife got me the forge for uh, my uh, birthday. I started making knives and swords and bullshit like that. And uh, there was a Facebook group called BAM, Blacksmiths Association of Missouri. And I put some pictures of my stuff and BAM and some recruiter from Forge and Fire saw it and contacted me about being on the show. And then you go through this interview process where they basically make sure you're, you know, fit for pub or you know, polite society where you're not going to scream racial epithets or, you know, conspiracy theories at the top of your lungs on television. So they're just like, let's get they weed out the crazies. And then there's well, a portion where they, yeah, they probably don't want people that have like a horn growing out of their forehead either. I'm guessing. <laughs> I mean, I've seen these forge and fire guys and not going for looks clearly. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, they don't want somebody who's going to like frighten children. Well, when we were actually there, one of the producers decided, you know, like, um, they like they basically make you like sh- sh- roll up your sleeves and show you what your your arms and stuff because they had a guy who had a bunch of like 
white supremacy shit all over his arms. And Yikes. they had to like, they started, like they stole some story, but maybe they started filming or something before they realized it and they had to start over again and make him put a shirt on. It became a weird, and so just something they had learned. But they didn't get rid of him. They just pulled his sleeve. Yeah, put your sleeves on. Put some sleeves on. You know, we're not saying we disagree with your hatred. We're just saying we can't have it on television. But no, and then, <sighs> but anyway, they uh, they go and then they put you. They basically quiz you about blacksmithy stuff and ask you what you've made before, just to make sure that you're competent enough to be on the show. Which that process doesn't work, obviously, um, because I wasn't competent enough. But anyway. Um, so they called me about being on the show uh, a few months later because once you once you they tell you when you've like been accepted, and then they put put you in a pool based on this, the experience level you have and the stuff you make kind of thing. And um, the episode I was on was not was my episode. It was I was filling on I was filling in for somebody who had uh, dropped out short notice, and uh, I had to go. Uh, my my project was I had to make a uh, handle out of titanium. And uh, titanium was not a metal I was at all familiar with. And uh, I, uh, the Ben Abbott guy had told us before the show, like, um, I don't know how in depth you guys want me to get with this shit, but like, you know, basically give you a too much already. Yeah, exactly. I know Brennan does. He just, his eyes glaze over. I don't know. I'm sorry if I'm going on too long, but anyway, they basically told us titanium super duper hard. You can't fucking grind it or do anything with it. And it doesn't want to do, it doesn't want to cut. It doesn't want to grind. It doesn't want to drill. It's super duper duper hard. Anyway, so that's the only thing I heard. I was like, well, there's Ben Abbott giving us the key to the thing. You know, I'm like, I can't even, I, can't, I didn't know if I could. I, I literally asked him, I was like, can you weld on titanium? Because I was like, you don't think you can. Uh, you can't. It's newsflash, at least not with a, just an arc welder or a MIG welder. And uh, they all just kind of like, we can't tell you that. We're like, we're not going to give you, you know, we can't help you, but we're just giving you this one little pointer about titanium, whatever. So I don't know. My grand pl- plan was um, it moves really easy when it's hot. It's like bubble gum almost. And so, I got it hot and I needed to cut off like a, I don't know, three quarters of an inch uh, of this piece of metal. And so I heated, I got it fucking red hot and it cut like butter. And I was like, oh, I figured it out. These motherfuckers, I'm going to whip their ass. So uh, I heated up and I started drilling it out because I knew the hardest part was going to be a drill titanium for the tang. And anyway, I forged, I lost the temper on the bit, forged it to the fucking titanium, um, had to start over. I turned in a hunk of shit and uh, I was out first. And uh, so, but I met some guys and I made a friend and uh, the guy who won is, uh, I still communicate with him and he's a, he's a good kid. And uh, it was an experience. Well, to my amazement, they're saying keep going and that they're enjoying this. (laughs) Well, but see, sometimes what I'm talking about seems more interesting to more other people than you. I mean, I, but anyway, some other stuff was like, um, Will Will Wilson or Will Willis was a dick. Oh God, what a credible dick that guy was. Um, he's the host or the the narrator. Yeah, well, he's the guy it. that says like three two hours. You know, that was the other thing. I had to make a titanium mm. handle. I didn't get to make a blade, and they only gave us two hours. You couldn't you couldn't fucking weld a piece of rebar to it. So you're just having to use tongs. That's one of the things they didn't show you in the show. Was like we were dropping our fucking metal left, right, and center because everybody. Nobody uses fucking titanium, so you weld a goddamn uh, metal rod to your piece of metal so you can handle it. Well, you couldn't do that with titanium, so everybody's just trying to use tongs they can never fucking use because we're not, you know, why would we? And so everybody's just dropping their metal constantly. It was a, it was a hard motherfucker. Anyway, where was I? Oh, Will Willis was a yeah. Wilson was a, whatever the fuck his name was a dick, and uh, he came into the green room before the show started, and he just like sat down and didn't say anything. He just had the most disgusted look on his face. And uh, they, they had a lady taking our blood pressure before we went on because it gets super hot and it's intense. And so they just want to make sure your heart's not going to explode. And they've had plenty of guys on that show who are not in very good shape. And uh, <laughs> anyway, so this guy's kind of talking while they're taking his blood pressure. He's like, hey, be quiet. And we're all kind of like, what the fuck? And he's like, something about, he said, talk and make your blood pressure go up. Or something weird like that. It was like it was weird as fuck. And I was like, and I just flat said, "I go, did somebody hit your dog on the way in this morning?" Because I mean, he was actively pouting, like a you would see like a seventh grade girl do, you know. And he's like, "I'm always like this." I was like, "I don't feel like that's true." And I, he didn't like me immediately. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, 
then he sort of came, he talked trash on all the people in the show. He's like, Ben Abbott's, you know, got a stutter. He's just like you making this shit in his garage. You know, Dave Baker's a prop maker, blah, blah, blah. These guys don't know shit. Don't be intimidated by him. You know, Doug Markita may be a weapons expert, but he's never used your weapon. You know what I mean? So how expert is he? He's like, just remember these guys uh, don't know any more shit than you do, and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, and, and go win you $10,000. It's going to be like $6,000 after taxes. And then he just like fucking bolted out of the room. We're like, what the F? Like, who was that? What the fuck? Then the producer comes in. She's like, I'm so sorry. It's a production assistant. I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, he's in a fight with the judges. And so he's in a, he's all pouty and blah, blah, blah. Cause he, apparently the judges voted on some piece of metal, some sword or some horse shit. And he, and he disagreed, but he's not a judge. And so they're basically telling him to butt out. And he got all butthurt about it. It was, it was crazy. It was like, it was exactly like your work. There's always some bitch that's, or idiot who's <laughs> fucking up your day and making a big pouty mess about life. And you, everybody else just wants to move on. And that was Will Willis when I was there. Like, everybody was just like, Jesus Christ, I wish this guy would fucking get over it. Colin Andrew asked, what about Doug? Was he nice or not? Doug Markita was nice. I mean, they were all nice, uh, especially Dave Baker. Like, Dave Baker, like, Dave Baker was the only one that, like, talked to you away, like, after, when the cameras weren't on and stuff, you know? And, like, when I, when you, they, you get kicked off the show, they all come meet you in the back and they talk to you for a little bit and kind of just, you know, glad hand you. And uh, talk to you about the, you know, the, the project or whatever they're working on. And that was another time Will came in. He didn't speak. He um, never, I literally got the photo from the type, from the episode with all me and all the judges, the judges and me are all smiling real big. And Will's just sitting there with a fucking, like somebody slid a pay of shit under his nose. You know, he was still mad Maybe about we'll, they didn't choose the weapon he wanted. But, but anyway, Dave Baker Maybe walked we'll, me out after everybody else left. You know what I mean? Like he was like, Hey, so Will, you just kept talking to me. Yeah. I was gonna say maybe you can put we can put the uh, picture you have of on Patreon or something. Yeah, yeah. The um, <laughs> it's it's. I, I, Connor said he spent two dollars to, to watch the episode. You're gonna be disappointed because I'm I'm on there maybe for the first seven minutes. Yeah, the I was thing, say, if thing you is can like, hold the bathroom break. They they it was titanium, so it gives off this toxic fume and stuff, and so you had to uh, wear a respirator mask, and so they didn't. They interviewed us throughout the thing, but they didn't t like use any of it because they couldn't really understand us. Um, I don't know. They cut out a bunch of stuff, and it's a I don't know. It was a cool experience. Everybody's like, "Do you think you'll do it again?" I'm like, "No," because they'll have they're currently like on season eight, and every season's got forty episodes, four times forty times eight. I'm like, the the odds that they would choose me going out first with having no particular appeal to anyone. You know what I mean? I'm not a firefighter or, uh, you know what I mean? Like my wife didn't die of tuberculosis or, you know what I mean? Like they're not going to have some special episode for assholes who got knocked out early. You know what I mean? So, um, I'm like, no, I, that's an incredible long shot that's probably not going to happen. Well, I mean, I can see them making a theme called humiliating disaster. <laughs> guess, guess yeah. second if they have that one, if they have, if they have, you know, shit I mean, in the bed. Well, it I was, was going to say, it's a wordy title, but, but <laughs> they could punch it up, you know? Well, I don't know. People, I know people are trying to make me feel better about it, but everybody's like, I've never, anybody that watches the show regularly was like, man, that was a really tough one. Like, that's harder than most of them. I'm like, I agree with you. I completely agree with you. Like, because I was prepared to do a bunch <laughs> of stuff I'd never done before, you know? Um, there, I mean, I've only, I really only done Damascus once because I was, I have to hammer everything out. I don't have a fucking big giant blue fucking power hammer, you know, or a press. And so Damascus is incredibly hard for me to make. And so, but I was like, if they asked me to do a canister Damascus, I've seen canister Damascus done a thousand times. I know exactly what to do. I know exactly how to do it, you know, and I'm going to. I'm going to put my white out in there and I'm going to make sure it's nice and dry. And I'm before I put my powder in there and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. You know, like I had it all planned out and I'm like, what if they ask you to do a Sam I, which Sam I had never done. I'm like, ask me to do that. I know how to do it. You know what I mean? Like, so, but when they got titanium out, I, I really, they could, it's the only thing in the world they could have picked Russ. It's like, I felt completely like, I don't know what the fuck to do with this. Like, I don't know. I don't know anything about titanium. Well, Colin, didn't you also say before it got started, you and the other guys who were on the show went out for a drink the night before, and that you had, were discussing the fact that they had asked you to bring a mask, right? Um, and yeah, so, you were speculating what that was for. Well, the, 
that was we knew who was going to win after the first night at least i feel like i did i mean you always feel like you got a chance but the first night we got there they asked you to bring this mask and you end up when they pick you up from the airport they pick you up with the other guys in the show and you get you all stay at the same hotel you end up having dinner together i mean you end up becoming friends with these guys because then you're stuck in the green with them through for, for fucking hours you know what i mean like you get to talk to these people you get to know them and so the first night you get there we all went to, to dinner together at the hotel restaurant and they, were, they had told us to bring masks. I was like, maybe it's just like they're going to use coal forges. And it's, you know, we live in such a litigious society now. They're like, before the show, they'd be like, hey, we're going to use coal today. Did you bring your respirator? Now, it's up to you if you want to wear it. But, you know, and then nobody ends up wanting to wear a fucking respirator because who cares, you know? And so I was like, maybe it's just coal. And they make everybody does a coal episode, bring a respirator in case they need it. And then the other, the only other person was like, yeah, that's, pr- yeah. And then the, this kid, this 20-year-old kid that won, he's just like, well, it could be titanium. <laughs> I was like, Oh yeah, he's like, yeah, titanium gives off like fumes and stuff, and so titanium, you know, if it, that that could be part of it, and so, but nobody honestly believed that. I mean, no, I don't think anybody even paid attention to it. And um, next day, titanium, like, God damn, that kid was right. But he was super talented and super experienced, and uh, just and you just talking to him, he was into it in a way that I wasn't. Like he had, he was, he was into the metal allergy. Incorrect. Meller- Incorrect. I can't even think of the word metallurgy incorrect of it the chemical you know like he was lit he was into it on a level that i wasn't paying attention to it you know he was in he was in you know eight chan for blacksmithing at night looking shit up and knowing about it and i was just doing it because i like swords and so and then the, <laughs> another guy literally did it for a fucking living so he was those those are the two guys that came to the the final and then me and the other guy were both guys just making them in our garages basically the other thing too colin i think you said that you were the uh like the only person to ever go on Forge and Fire and not ever get to actually make a blade. Yeah, I don't know if that's actually true because they're up until my episode, I watched every episode and I've probably seen every episode um, twice. And then literally, I got PTSD from the experience. I just didn't want to watch it uh, for a while just because I was, it was, it was weird. I mean, I wasn't sad about it, but I was just like, all right, I just can't. I, it, like the stress of the situation that I was in and my failure made it difficult to watch. It was a reminder of something that I wasn't particularly proud of. And, um, and now I don't watch it just because I, my grinder's broken and they're fucking wicked expensive. And I so basically can't do it right now. And so watching it makes me want to do it. It's kind of like watching a basketball game and then want to go outside and shoot hoops, you know? And, um, since I can't go work on anything right now, I just soon not watch and get all revved up about it and just not to be able to do it. Well, Colin, we've uh, we've used up our hour on the locker room uh, sports drink channel. So it is actually I, I give you shit, but I mean I, I've never been on national TV to do anything to lose horribly and or otherwise. Um, so it is cool. <laughs> I got yeah. people might want to hear me. Well, <laughs> and, and Connor, I appreciate Simi says, yeah. How many? Uh, how successful is a twenty-year-old's Mizzou football podcast? You know what? He doesn't. He do, he's not does his football Mizzou football podcast does not do nearly as well, Connor. That's true. That is true. <laughs> That's right. Well, we'll bring you another one next week. Like we mentioned, this one's going up on the main feed. And next week, oh, we'll good. Everybody Patreon can look, look up my episode and see my shame. I should have waited for that. I should have done this on the Patreon episode. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We got a good group tonight, and uh, we'll, like I said, it'll be up in the morning. And uh, M I Z Z O U. Shout out Blaine Gabbard. <laughs>